everybody. Talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. <laughs> this is your uh, sidekick, Nick Wilson here. We got Alex on the other line. He's way up in South Carolina, son. He's chasing them dogs, and he's ready to talk about it. Come on, sit down a while. We got Watson back in the studio. We got Caden hanging out, blowing them duck calls. <laughs> Let's get her done, boys. Oh, I don't have a speaker one left on my back. <laughs> Alex, how was that opening, buddy? Buddy, I was tickled to death. The enthusiasm, <laughs> the excitement, the turkey takeover is in play. <laughs> well, I didn't I, I didn't know where I wanted to go on that first part. I was like, I told Watson when he first got here, I was like, I'm going to put these gobblers on there, but I didn't know where to incorporate it. So there it is. And I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't script it. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even practice this in the truck, guys. Anybody listening to this, I did not practice I figured it's going to be best to go raw. I love it. Love it. Just a, just a raw emotional experience in itself. <laughs> I, I am, I am tickled to death. I am more, Hey, I am so excited now to hear how you open them shows at NWTF now. <laughs> hey, um, sorry about your truck speakers, everybody. <laughs> They're, that, gone. They're gone. Yeah. I ain't got a, I ain't got that down yet, but, um, we want to do a little special episode tonight for everybody. Um, Alex wanted to, Give me a little prep before I go to NWTF and make a fool of myself and and get geared up. There will so. be no foolery made. The man's got it now. There will be no foolery made. He's been training. He's, he's, not, he's not taking over, folks. He's just staying out late night. So I may have to get on. I may have to get on here and introduce him or something from time to time. I don't know. But Alex, how was the ride up to South Carolina? It was good, good, uh, except for the traffic on 85. It's like I felt like I was going to Illinois, riding up 75 through Chattanooga, all the wrecks and construction that's going on. God dang it, I forgot to hit record. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> gotcha. That's my, that's, that's my move. Gotcha. <laughs> nah, we um, – He woke good. up this morning and he was dead. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have an opening for you. I should have wrote something down. I told, uh, I told Watson when he got over here we should have wrote something and – opened you some grand thing up, but I was more worried about nailing that opening than I was opening you up. There's no grand opening to be had, buddy. This is just a special episode. Me and you talked earlier this week, wanted to just get on and talk for a minute and kind of shoot the breeze and update everybody on what's been going on and what's new. Well, tell us, what's new with you? Y'all been laying down them yotes. Man, it's been been a great season thus far for them. I mean, me and Mayo, and uh, we spent some time with uh, Josh. And – Really just trying to get back in the groove of it, picked up a new scope and, and really just kind of going with the flow of it, new calls. I mean, it's it's been crazy to see how everything has changed since Cody and I got out of it with what's changed in, in the call game. And, the, and you don't look at that stuff when you're out of something. It's right. like turkey calls. You don't watch it. You don't see any of that stuff. But you get on these forums and you read a little bit. But when you're back in the groove of it, it's crazy how much stuff has adapted and changed. And. I tell you, it's a it's it's unbelievable to me since we started, you know, what four years ago, Cody? Yeah. How much the market has changed, and how many people are getting into coyote hunting? And they see you posting pictures, pictures and video. And I told a guy yesterday, he called me. He's like, "Man, I really want to get into it." And I was like, "You got plenty of time at night. And you like staying up late. You got plenty of money." He's like, "Well, no, not really." I was like. They go buy you a daytime call and and get you a little rifle and go sit in the woods during the day. Don't waste your money. And you better got to have a good old lady. I can tell you yeah. that from just a couple past few weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you better have a shout out for sure. You better have your uh, stuff in order when you get back home so you can go out the next few nights or whenever. 
Well, because the thing is, too, with, with coyote hunting, if they're on, you need to be out there doing it. And some of those late nights, as Alex has been showing here lately, you don't roll in till 3 or 4 in the morning. It's hard to leave when them dogs are responding. Boy, Cody Mayo sat yeah. right up there Saturday night, and I got on him yesterday. I said, man, you sat right up there and lied to my face. He's like, what did I lie to you about? I said, you said that you were going to bed at midnight. You had a quail hunt to go on. And next thing I know, we got – what was that picture that came through? It was like 3 a.m. Yeah, 3.30. He said he laid down, I think, close to 5, and his alarm went off at 6.30 or 7. <laughs> <laughs> he had to drive to uh, almost to Chattanooga to go quail hunting. So – not for but me, boys. Was, if I wanted to do that, I'd go get me a coon dog. <laughs> it wasn't without it wasn't without uh, being a great night, and and we'll get into that in, in a bit because I'm telling you, it was worth every bit of lost sleep. Well, is is this? Are you glad that you got a scope? Are you glad you got back into it? I am. You know, I missed it from from day one. Cody and I hunted together a lot, and that was the whole decision behind it. We decided coming home from Illinois, we're going to sell our scopes and. I, I took my money and put it in the safe and I did not spend a dime of it. And I worked on my boat that spring. I didn't spend any of that money. And I, I had that kind of like a nest egg there that I wanted to sit on in case something happened. And I, I was, it was hard for me not to buy one back in the summer. I really wanted one then, but I had my boat and I didn't want to get rid of it. And I made the decision this fall that I was going to sell my boat and I didn't want to spend that money though. I wanted to keep it as like a little cushion. And and I did the same thing I did all year. I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And I finally sold my boat and picked up a scope as soon as I think the money hadn't even got in my pocket. And I was hitting the safe, headed to the bank and, and got that deposited, put my boat money up. And that gave me a bigger cushion, but I was able to spend my, spend my, my play money there, my scope money. So I got me another one. For less money than I got out of that one, and you know, I'm I'm excited for it. I bought a bearing uh super hogster 35, and we're gonna be doing a show really soon with the guys from Dark Knight Outdoors, Bill Hammond. Been a great relationship that I've I've been able to develop with him. Um Tyson Childers picked up a scope from him. I've got several other guys that are probably gonna be buying scopes soon from him. And I tell you, I, I'm I'm really excited for him to come on and tell us all about the new scopes. Do you see Co- do you see Cody raise his hand? <laughs> they know and i've been god dang it owe you 20 bucks <laughs> I, I, I told him i told alex i said i ain't buying one again i said i ain't got the time i said I, and, and then they kept going kept going i told josh i said god dang it y'all are just hurting my wallet i can just see it coming two weeks he'll have it i'll venmo you that money tonight alex <laughs> i'm glad y'all are making side bets on me that's awesome Y'all had a yeah. – uh, we don't want to go in too depth, dude. How long are we going to stay on here, Alex? I don't care. We can run and roll with it. I'm, I'm feeling good now. I got me a good dip of snuff in. Got me a front lift for like old Derek. Full draw. <laughs> I'm ready to roll. What a trifecta. Yeah, first time ever. I've never killed – I've shot a fox before, but never killed a never killed a bobcat Um, and was able to call one in the night. Josh and I double-tapped it and killed a fox yesterday. First fox I've ever shot with my thermal. Um, and, buddy, let me tell you, them foxes can't hold that grindle. It, it does bad, bad things. That's not a fur-friendly uh, round. The video is devastating. I ain't seen the video. It'll be out. I ain't I seen the fox video. I've seen some of the other video. Yeah. Um, I tell you, it's it's right back where I left off. I, I'm just I'm excited to see the, the way that the new scopes perform. 
They're even better than the one I had. And I had a great scope before with that Pulsar and had no no complaints out of it other than just things I didn't know then that I know now out of it. There's There's been improvements made to the imagers. There's, the zoom on that scope is what's crazy, a 2.9 base mag, and then you zoom in on it and you're seeing 250, 300 yards and the clarity. You can still see the outline of that coyote at that distance. And a lot of that stuff Bill's going to be able to explain when he comes on with us. And I don't want to try to – try to explain something that I may not understand and misspeak, but if if you're in the market for a scope, get in touch with us after hearing this because I can send you on the right path at least to talk to the man that knows. I'm not the one. I can give you my opinion on it, but I can give you a guy that can really, you know, help us out and help you out. If anybody out there is listening to this that's got a problem with them, reach out to us, you know. Um, reach out to me. I'll take donations, and I'll send some guys over there. Whatever's best, however y'all want to run that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Now, if you do got a problem, call somebody, you know, and then maybe Alex and Cody or somebody, Mayo, somebody can come over and take a look at the property and see if it's, you know, if, if even they can hunt it, you know. Y'all probably don't want to hunt it with a bunch of houses around or something like that. Y'all might put them onto a trapper or something like that. And I don't know if there's any trappers around this area. Um, I've actually got a, I've actually got a something on that, Nick, that, that's came in into play here in the last little bit. Um, there's a gentleman that I've been talking to and, de- and dealing with a lot as of late that's, that's doing a lot of trapping, and he's willing. Cody and I have had several situations over the years where we've went and looked at stuff in the daylight that you could look at on a map, and it looks great. You look at it on, in daylight, in person, because the map doesn't show everything, and we've made the determination we're not going there to shoot or hunt because it's not safe. And yeah. You know, first and foremost, that's the key thing. You've got to make sure you're safe with this stuff. You can't just go out throwing, you know, we're shooting a high-powered ground, and it can go a long way, and we want to make sure we got plenty of backdrop there, and it goes for anybody. You need to be aware of your surroundings and aware of what's out there, whether it be cattle, houses, barns, buildings, highways, roads, whatever's in that backdrop. Be mindful of that because – the last thing you want to do is send send a bullet flying in a direction that's not safe. And you got to be mindful of who you're standing beside of and not that you don't trust them, that person or not. But when you're focused in that scope, ch- chasing a coyote across the field, you got to you really got to pay attention who's, sta- <laughs> who's standing beside you. I mean, because your head's locked in that scope. You got to know how far. We usually, me and Alex used to say, you know, we, we knew we hunted with each other so much, we knew how far we could swing left and right with continuing to be safe. So – there is a lot of safety that goes into it for sure. I could see that being a problem because at nighttime you're just swinging that scope around. You're not really – I mean, I know you're thinking about it, but especially if you're trying to get on multiple dogs, if you caught them in the side the side view or something and try to get over there. But I, I was talking to uh, one of our graders today, and he's got a piece of pro- – or his uncle owns a good bit of property over towards Cartersville and stuff, and, and uh, I'm working on that for you boys. And uh, it's a lot of farmland, so hopefully that pans out. And I talked to – which I know Mayo's been talking to him, and I told Alex last night might be some opportunity to go out, go out to Idaho. Badger, yeah, be crazy. badgers. <laughs> I love you, badger. Wolves. Yeah, <laughs> he said that you can buy wolf all the wolf permits you want over the counter out there right now. Yeah, I think they changed it recently. I, he said you can shoot them out of helicopters. He said you can shoot them with machine guns, whatever. <laughs> they must have a bunch of them. That'd be wild. And I don't know that it's as much there's a there's a bunch of them as they're wanting a bunch of opportunities to thin the herd. You know, they're ask you they're asking people to thin the herd because they've seen such detriment to their elk population. They've seen it take out, you know. You imagine how many turkeys a wolf could catch and eat. Oh I mean, yeah. Oh man, yeah. How many how many animals it takes to feed that they said one 
one wolf. Sorry, I may have cut out there. No, you're good. I open my. I'll keep messing with that AirPod case. <laughs> um, they said one wolf carried in a in a season. Not not. I'm talking about a denning season where they were carrying pups. It was 17 elk carcasses, either full grown or or baby elk carcasses to this den to feed its its young. And you think one wolf's doing that? And and I don't know where it was at. I don't know what state. I read it uh, online and. They did a study with a trail camera sitting on it in 17. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I understand the balance in nature. We we all agree that there's a balance. If you have no not enough coyotes, you're going to have an overabundance of rabbits, turkeys, uh, whatever. Coons even, they tack coons. Well, you don't thin the herd. You're going to have no rabbits, no turkeys, no fawns. I mean, and so there's balance in everything. And I just I, I believe that we have to play our role because the coyotes are are a are they're a problem and I didn't realize they were such a problem until I go to a place that's never been hunted like we went the other night and we called in seven on one set and we only left the field with two Mister Mayo where yet <laughs> but it was it was for not uh, for lack of trying I mean and that goes for you know I was watching a, a coyote he was shooting at speaking of you know watching the background I was watching where that dog was running and he's focused on the coyote. I could see he was coming into a group of cows that were across, you know, they were far out and they were away from where he was shooting. And I called him off. I told him, I said, don't shoot cows. And the dog ran it. And it was probably far enough to be safe, but I'm not taking the chance on a 2,500 pound bovine standing out there getting a 223 slung through it. So, I mean, it's all about safety. You know, that that's one thing that I try to be conscious of and, and mindful. And I'll tell you what, them bullets, this is too high to be throwing out through there, wasting them like we and Cody used yeah. to do. <laughs> we used to do mag dumps in the middle of the field shooting coats. That ain't no lie. <laughs> Legit's happening. Slamming clips. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to uh, Tony Peterson today talking about those wolves on Wired to Hunt. He does those little 20-minute foundation things once a week. And I believe he said upper Wisconsin was so bad with wolves. Like they, the deer herd, everything is down up there. He said, I guarantee you. You go into any bar up there to sit down. He said, you won't be sitting there five minutes before somebody brings up the problem with the wolves. They're, they're that bad up there. Wow. So, I mean, I know they're I know they're probably brought here just like coyotes for, for a reason, to help wildlife, but then they take over because nobody hunts them. It's just like the raccoons now. Nobody hunts them, so they've taken over everything. And there's so many houses around here. God, they got so much food to eat now. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about doing before is going in with shotguns in some of these heavily populated areas and calling them in. And yeah, I think it would be something we could do um, during the day, go in with a shotgun, call them up a ditch line and have two or three people facing in you know a direction in, in a ditch, get on them quickly and call them in. It's, you know, it's something we've talked about doing before and we haven't done it, but I think it would be fun to try. I watched, I watched Alex roll one with a shotgun one time turkey load i was thinking about that raven yeah 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 that raven with that scope on it we could go in there and bump one with it you sure could couldn't you put a couple of luminox at be expensive eras but buddy i tell you what i i am going to put that i bought a benjamin air rifle with a tactical rail on top of it and i'm going to put that scope on top of that thing 
and go to the chicken house out there where we're feeding them hogs. And Dad's got all that bread at. I'm going out there on a rat killing mission. <laughs> Have you watched I'm those videos? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yes, there's guys that do it, and it's crazy. Yes, that it's awesome. Really, you you'll be sitting there. You'll be like, man, it's pretty neat. Hour later, you're still watching them shoot rats. Oh, I haven't saw I'm that. Going, I told- I told dad I was going to put it on a 22 and he said, hell you are. He said, you need to put it on a BB gun or something. <laughs> well, you just recently purchased that new Tacticam 5.0, right? Yep. Yep. Mayo and I both picked one of those up. We're going to try to do some, it's a film through the scope module that goes on the side of it. He Baker, he's been on the show. He uses one to film all his hunts during the daytime. So I wish I'd have had it during deer season. What Have you tried it yet? I hadn't even got it out of the box. So I left to come up here and hadn't even had, didn't even get it out of the box yet. So well, I got to see that thing because I'm I've I've been looking at them pretty serious for turkey hunting because I don't think I'm gonna put my GoPro on my on my gun and those seem like a little bit easier mount for the for the yeah shotgun barrels or rifle barrels and I yeah, guess and I you can use it ma- more for a stabilizer on your stabilizer also for bow. That's what a lot of guys run those stabilizer um, mounts and it just slides in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I I think that with the gun side of it, you probably wouldn't even need the FTS to film through the scope set up for it because you really don't hunt with a gun with a rifle. I mean, you may want one to put on your thirty out six. Just go ahead and get that full package. And um, uh, why you look sad? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm just yeah. Those tactics. I ain't got they, a hat on. <laughs> they make under the barrel mounts that yeah that it just goes underneath. Oh yeah, so. I've been looking at them hard. I yeah, just... I all got one. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he, I got I got him. Um, so just, just real quick, shout out to that guy, Donnie Yates, over at um, Whitetails of America, really hooked us up with those. So if anybody's looking for a Tacticam, go check him out. He's he's seemed like a really good, solid dude to buy from. So neat stuff. What else you got, buddy? Oh man, just excited to see where the rest of the year goes. It's it's came in twenty twenty two came in with a bang. Um, you know, we've had a great run with the shows that we've done so far and being able to go out and, and hunt still. And I didn't do any late season hunting. I mean, I've had the awfulest luck with trail cameras getting straps blowing in front of them, sending me 400 pictures in a night and feeders blowing over and all this weather and blinds blowing away. And it just kind of, it kind of ended my deer season for me. And I just, I think the biggest thing is getting back into this predator hunting. We got some trips lined up. We got some stuff set up to go and hunt locally. I mean, I just think the whole the whole grasp of being able to do that and continue to enjoy doing what we do. I mean, is something for me that's, like I said, I, I looked forward to fishing for every year in the past. I'd look forward to getting ready for crappy fishing. And I'll be honest, I'm really not, I'm not looking to go to that. I want to spend the time getting ready and, and coyote hunting more and predator hunting uh, in itself. I had a guy call me the other day. I said, can you see coons in that thing? And I was like, yeah. He said, I might get you to come shoot some coons for me. And, I really don't care anything about doing that, but if he wants me to, I will. I mean, I'll call a coon in and shoot it. Some somebody wants to to mess with it. I just, I don't know. I think it goes back to that old adage, and you, you eat what you kill. And I don't mind killing a coyote. I don't mind busting a crow out of the sky because it's eating my corn. But I have a hard time shooting an animal that I'm not going to do something with. I mean, even that even that fox I shot. I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have shot that fox if I wasn't at home and right there at the chicken houses. I just. I don't know. I, I don't, I guess that old tender heart gets in me as I get older a little bit and, and just not doing stuff. I took that bobcat to the taxidermist. I'm going to get it tanned. And 
I really wish John Collins had, had, had sent me a recipe on that, and I'd seen it sooner, and I might have tried to cook that bobcat. He cooks them and eats them. Oh, John Collins can eat all the bobcat he wants. They, he said it's like rabbit. I mean, they eat, you know, they don't eat dead stuff. They right. don't, they, they prey on, you know, rabbits and turkeys. I mean, I would try it. I'd try it, yeah. I've seen he, some, he, I've seen some coyote recipes, though, floating around that. Really? Oh, yeah. There was no. a guy, yeah, there was a guy posted last year. I wouldn't, them things are nasty. I bet, I bet, I bet they were crock pot recipes. Probably. You cook any damn thing in a crock pot. <laughs> you smelled some of them coyotes that I've smelled the last several years. You wouldn't touch no. eating one. You know, I've never shot coons like you was talking about, but going back there, I mean, they're big predators. They're big nest predators. I mean, and there is a place to, there's a bunch of them. There's not a shortage of coons around here for sure. Judging by my trail camera and how much corn they eat. I know we've talked about this several times in the past, but do you not think that we could find a local, maybe not local, maybe several States away that I know y'all talking about them competitions. They have those people that come by those hides. Yeah. Do you not think there's nobody like around that we could find to link up with to, to give them to them, to give them to them, to donate that stuff or, the problem here is not that we couldn't find somebody to do it. It's the hide. It's not quality. You got to think how hot it is here. Most of those people that are buying hides are going to the Midwest, out west, where they're furry. That you know they've got a, a big thick coat on them. Most coyotes we kill around here are not that way. I will say this year has been the first year that I've killed the I've killed big coyotes this year. I mean, it seems like. They're bigger. I, I, the male and female that, that I shot Saturday night were the two biggest coyotes that I've ever killed. I mean, and it was a male and a female. That's me personally. But their hide was thick. They were healthy. They eating something. They yeah. ain't just dang picking, picking up, you know, rats and mice here and there. They're eating something to make them healthy. So it just, I think that goes into thinking back to the fur market. Fur market's down. Um, you know, there's not a, there's not a need for furs like there were, you know, 15 years ago. So why trappers don't spend the time doing it. And I, I think it goes along with everything else. This is just changing the way of the times and them coons keep getting thick though. We're going to have to do something to thin them out for sure. Well, I got an interesting text the other day from my neighbor and, um, she's like all into pottery and stuff. And I don't know what she all does with it, but she texted me. She said, Hey, next time you shoot a deer, I want the tail of it. <laughs> I was like, laugh out loud, why? And she's like, I heard it makes really good, it makes a really good paintbrush for pottery. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got to get her a tail next year if I kill one. <laughs> Man, to get somebody else to get her one. But I, I just wonder if there's other ways to use those other than just trying to skin them out for something. What if there's other ways or avenues that we could try to maybe explore? I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas that something might come up with that. Yeah, I mean, if somebody out there's got an idea that they hadn't heard of before, I know Meps buys squirrel tails. We used to send them squirrel tails to, to Meps when I was a kid. They make plugs out of them or, or spinners out of them. They'll buy squirrel tails. And um, But I, I'll tell you something else I read. I, I was reading last night, and there was a guy posted a, a, a want ad, and somebody screenshot it put it on a forum, and I wish I'd have saved it, for somebody to come to Louisiana and hunt nutria rats with thermals. The nutria rats have taken over his swamp area, I guess. And I was thinking, man, I need to hit old, I need to hit old D Wask up, see if he's got any nutria rats that are come shoot. I don't know about that. Alex's gonna be shooting iguanas, nutria rats. No telling what else. He's gonna be trying. You gonna eat them rats? Shoot. 
ain't eating no rats. I, no, I can't do that. They're nasty. They're like them. They're worse than a beaver. I mean, they stink. But I'll tell you something else that so you'll like this, Nick. We talk about RP a lot, and he, he hit me up today. He wants us to come to Texas and strap a thermal on that flintlock. And Good I said, Lord. RP, I, the last thing I'm doing is strapping a $3,000 scope next to something that explodes at a mini explosion. It ain't happening. He said, well, I'll use my light on the, on the, uh, on the flintlock, and you could put, a, you put that thermal on your um, – on your gun and just you'd have to put it, it out there on the you have to put the scope out there on the end well yeah you wouldn't be able to put your face there would you yeah that wouldn't, well, I mean, that wouldn't work probably, i don't know he said he'd use a he'd use a light old school he wanted to do it and he brought it up it was pretty neat i mean he said do it the simplest method with a flashlight and a flintlock and then the newest method with you know some of our high-powered rifles and a, and a thermal i mean be a concept yeah. i mean mm-hmm. just something to do for a show I don't if know, you went to texas good, ain't neat. no telling what you'd see in the, that thing yeah that's the thing i mean it lights up yeah. the night sky and you can see everything under the sun might be an old dad run by let me ask you a question is it illegal to kill certain snakes like rattlesnakes in certain states i can't i don't tell know that. so i've saw I, i've seen two videos this year one the guy was deer hunting and i, I know it's a way off subject a guy stepped across a rattlesnake and didn't kill it in georgia I think it. I think I read somewhere where there's certain venomous snakes in Georgia. It's illegal to kill, and I don't know about other states or what snakes that they are, but I think there are some snakes that are illegal to kill. Well, then I watched another video last night of these guys in Florida, and they walked right past one and videoed it too. And I'm like, dude, I hope when they cut the camera off, I hope they blowed him away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know um, either. I don't know either, but I ain't messing with no rattlesnake. I ain't no. either. No. Nope. Yeah, if I got the film on, somebody better cut it off. They don't want to see it. Hey, you talk about RP and wanting to use that light. You know, man, that's how Alex and I started running them lights. Anybody still doing that and and is successful at it? Oh, you're talking about like a flashlight kind of? Well, yeah, I mean, we had good lights that were predator lights. You know, you yeah. can see three, 400 yards, and we, we had some minor success with But anybody that's doing that successfully – Especially in eastern coyotes in Georgia, hats off. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different ball game right there. Do you well, find do that you there's? That, go ahead. Do you think Cody that it made us better predator hunters using those lights? Absolutely. Or do you think it hurt us? I no, I think it helped us because we 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 learned a lot what to do and what not to do, and then I think we realized once we started running thermals how many hundreds of coyotes we probably never, ever saw. Because I, I know for a fact, probably half the times we went out and was like, well, there's nothing here after hunting a stand for 30 minutes. There was probably one in the field when we got there. I mean, just it, it, it's just, it's crazy. Something, something we learned later on about it was, you know, we used to turn those lights on and off, on and off, on and off, mm-hmm. on and off. We'd run them on and off. And, and we learned later on, turn it on facing the sky and come slowly down onto a field to scan it it's the flash they see whether it's green red whatever even white lights some guys use them still they see that flash of it turning on it's not the light they're seeing they're seeing it change they're you know how your eyes adjust well you come slowly down on that field and you're scanning it the light's already on so it's already there and they're not seeing the movement of it so that's to me that if you're using lights and you're turning it on turn it on when you get there facing the sky and then come down into the field slowly and let it adjust to the surroundings and i like you said, we missed a lot of coyotes, and it's 
it's doable. You can still kill them that way. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got a lot of open ground and you can hunt them that way, yeah, it's it's doable. There's guys still do it all over the country. But like you said, hats off to them. I ain't, I ain't wasting my time out there looking at a flashlight no more. You think hunting's got tougher around here since everybody's into the thermal? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, you think they're doing – I mean, it's a good thing, though. Because there's guys – and and I'm not saying that Alex or myself are world class coyote hunters, but there's guys. The problem is there's guys still running thermals, seeing dogs, but they're educating them to a to a degree that they're it's not hard, coming it's hard in. To hunt them. Yeah, it's just like it's just like messing up a turkey. Oh yeah. Uh, it, let me ask this: if if you go in there and shoot one and don't take it, is it pretty easy to go back, or is it like turkey hunting that they're hard to mess with? I think it's been hit or miss. I think that you can go back and have great success at those spots. And we've been back to some places where we've blown a set and just never – or you'll go back and you'll hear that same pack. And I know I'm thinking of a place right now, go there and hear the same pack call every time, every time, every time, and they just never, never would come in after we blew it. We blew our chances on the first time. Hmm. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's – I think that something I've changed this time is not doing, not taking stupid shots, being smart mm-hmm. about it. I had a coyote the other night, 240, 250 yards, come in, sit down on the edge of the field. And I've made a commitment to myself. I'm not going to take a shot that's not feasible for my my ability. The scope will do it. The gun will do it. I don't feel comfortable shooting past 200 yards. Will I shoot that far? If it's an open situation that I feel like I can make it 250, maybe. But – I don't want to shoot at that coyote if it's a place I can hunt again with the hopes. Why shoot at it and miss it? And it heard a call playing that I played and came to that call and go back and not be able to play that same call. Because we hunt so many places, I don't feel like there's – I don't feel like there's a – you know, I could write it down. I'll miss coyote on, you know, uh, how one. Well, I could go back later on and play how one. Is that coyote going to recognize that? Mm, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I just, I've made a conscious effort not to make, not to take stupid shots. Cause I mean, you, you may get to a field and there may be a coyote out there. Like you said, it may already be in the field 300 yards and you play to it and it just doesn't respond. It just continues mousing or whatever it's doing. Well, that coyote may have just before you got there came from exactly where you're standing. And it's like, I'm not going back over there. You know, I just came from there, but you may go another night and it may start out there and you call, you know, if you didn't blow the call, you know, if you didn't blow the spot the first time and it may respond and come right in. I mean, there's just so many variables to, you know, to everything. And I think that's what drives you to want to keep going because there's no two sets that are ever the same. It's not a textbook. This is what's going to happen. I mean, like Alex said, you may call into these coyotes out in front of you, then all of a sudden 20 yards to your left, two pop out. You never even saw them. I got a question talking about that distance thing. I got you guys a place to go, but you can see well over 250 yards. I don't know, probably seven, 800 yards. Can you make two stands on that same place? Sure. We yeah. done it the other night. We called from, we called from 600. I think Josh said it. He's got an LRF scope, laser rangefinder scope, and it was 555 yards. We set up, called. 20 minutes. I knew it was a good spot. There was no doubt in my mind there was one there. We moved 200 yards closer to a fence line and set up, and five minutes, boom. And I didn't play nothing no different. I played the same house sequence, played the same uh, pup distress, and it came, boom. I mean, almost immediately. And we had moved closer, like you said, 
But I feel like we screwed ourselves the other night by moving 300 yards into a set and not calling at the beginning of it because we moved right in on top of two that Mayo had come in right on his left side that we could have called up there and then went down and maybe got on that same bunch. Who knows? I mean, they're, they're, they're either going to hear it or they're not. They're either going to be there or they're not. That's not – it's, it's not rocket science. I mean, and people call all the time, what calls are you playing? Well, I don't, may not necessarily give you every call, but I'm going to tell you, you know, what I'm doing. It's vocals. Play vocals. Quit playing distract. Quit playing a rabbit. You're wasting your time. Sorry. Around here, everybody and their brother's playing a baby cottontail. I ain't doing it. <laughs> but it, it's funny you mention that because you, you rewind several years ago before we ever got in a thermal game, we were – hunting those uh, competitions and we were we were running daytime class and we had this big piece of ag land we went and set up called one in i shot it we literally moved probably 150 yards in the field called it called again another one popped out shot it i think it was that same set right after that is when we called the one you shot with the shotgun was it not, or did we it go was back? Different, it was different time. Yeah, different time, yeah, different time. But yeah, just so I mean, we just moved a hundred yards, but you're calling to a different. You know, coyotes have territories, mm-hmm. and you may call, and they may not want. They may like, I'm not crossing this line in that field. That's that other dog's territory. Mm-hmm. You move, and now they're all of a sudden like, oh, okay, let me go check this out. There's just so many variables. They don't seem to play the wind much at night, do they? they As much. The, they let their guard down a lot, but they do still play the wind. I don't think, and this is just my personal opinion, and I've heard others say it and I've heard others argue it, they can't see as good at night as people think they can. We've had them – Cody, how close we had them in our lap? Yeah. Ten, the other night we had them at 10 yards. I mean, they came right to us. They, and we were standing there. But I think if you get in the shadows of something and you don't skyline yourself, you're putting yourself at a better advantage. Don't, don't We stand out in the middle of a field if it's a dark night. They ain't seeing you. They're coming to that call. They're focused on whatever they're coming to. If you caught their attention, they're coming to that. But don't put yourself in a situation where you're skyline with the moon behind you. We cost ourselves two dogs the other night by doing that, and it was just an ignorant, ignorant setup on my part, not knowing the layout of the land, and it cost us. They're breeding right now, so it makes a little it makes a little bit easier, correct? Well, they're more aggressive and they're you know they're more they're more active to respond to like he said vocals. Um, Does it slow down here in the next couple weeks, months? March. Yeah, March. March it'll slow down. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have you'll have them start denning with the pups, and then the males will be out looking for food probably. Yeah, after Same breeding. So it's probably a good time. I guess. I guess it's probably tougher as as the greener gets more green out, outside, right? Yeah, I've I've always had. And I, I don't. Alex can speak to this too. I've always had. Seems like I've had. As, as it gets warmer, it seems like it gets harder to hunt them here in the eastern. I'm know. sure they don't travel as much. They're not looking for food. Yeah, they're lethargic. They're hot. They don't want to move as much, and uh, they love cold nights. Oh, I'm sure. So you think they like the moon over dark nights? You know, me and Alex talked about this the other day. It's uh, we used to when we would go to a field. If we got there in a the field and we and we start scanning the field and it was full of deer, we'd almost be like, "Well, we're not gonna see anything." If there was deer moving and stuff moving, if you got to a field and it was just dead, nothing there, you almost felt like you was gonna be more successful. On the bright nights, we I never had as much success on bright nights with the moon. It's more of the dark, overcast nights. And I don't know what Alex thinks, but. 
Same thing. Same thing. I mean, it's it's exactly those bright nights. You think predators are moving at night? Yeah. Well, they might be moving, but they ain't been moving where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that is, and because you always hear that, oh, the moon's out, man. You know they're going to be moving. They can see better and stuff. But I almost feel I almost wonder if it makes them feel like they're not as hid, you know, because they can see so much. Because you know you walked into a field at night when the moon's bright. I mean, you see all, all the way across the field. Mm-hmm. Coyotes can see better than us, so I, I don't know if they. They like traveling those darker nights. What about if you pull up into a field and let's say there's three deer out there? Set your call up. You don't scare them off. You turn on the you turn on your howl. Is those deer staying or going? Depends. Mm-hmm. And does that does that tell you if there's coyotes in the area or not? not I think really. I think I mean, just by nature they hear that and they're like they know what it is. So if it's close and there's something howling within a couple hundred yards of it, I mean they're gonna. They're gonna leave. Yeah, you, you almost. I would almost think of it like, well, if if they've heard it, then they're probably used to it. But if they haven't, then they might be a little weary to to run or or move. Nick, the other night when we when we shot those two on the ridge up behind us, when Mayo and I shot that, when we tracked that, we didn't find the one that I hit, kind of uh-huh. hit a limb or whatever. When we shot, they was two deer jumped up in a ditch. We had been playing a hundred. 100 yards from they were bedded in that ditch and i was playing a call 100 yards from them and they never moved we shot that we were shooting up a ridge uh on the side of a ridge about halfway up it and they jumped up scared me to death i didn't know what it was went to blowing and i looked down in my scope and it was two deer jumped up they never moved when we was calling so i think it's like you know like cody said it's all about what they're hearing if they're used to it they don't feel like it's really a big of a threat now we witnessed something the other night that I've never seen. A, a coyote was walking as soon as we came into a set through uh, cows. And I don't know how much Mayo got on camera. I haven't went back and reviewed the videos he dropped to me, but I was able to get a piece of that video, and I sent it to Cody. That thing was nosing up at a cow. It was a, a calf, calf bed, yeah. and then it was going right up to it. And, you know, I think that's a good omen to think that when well, you got two or three big ones there, that thing's bedded. That cow wasn't that worried, but those coyotes could jump on that thing quick and, and kill it. Yeah, and coyotes too. I mean, they they may not kill that thing right then if they if they think they can just lame it up, you know, to where they can Come get back. it, Come get back. it, you know, if it you know slowly just decides to lay down. Hmm. It was a, it was interesting to see, and and that that whole sequence the other night was was it was the best night of coyote hunting I've ever had. I saw more. We laid eyes on 14 coyotes. Four were out of range, too far. Two they two of them circled downwind. It got on another piece of property. We knew we weren't going to be able to hunt there, and it wasn't something that we could do anything with. And they circled downwind of us, and I think they caught our wind a little bit and, and didn't come in any closer. And then we went to another field, and there was one came to the edge of it, and it was just too far of a shot. I didn't feel comfortable taking it. We tried to work them closer. They didn't come. And that was the field I feel like we skylined ourselves in, and we got spotted a little bit. So I think that's the key thing. you got to find, you know, cover, be mindful of where you're at. And then we went to another field, and I don't know that that place has ever been called before, but I can tell you what, doggone, when that thing, that call fired off, it was just bam, 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 bam. And, Boy, what I'd have given to have Cody there with me, a, a gunner. I'd have had a, a seasoned gunner. We could have done some work. Hell, don't wait. Don't. He get, you get back, you'll probably have a scope. So, no. I tell you, though, a big difference now to what they're doing and, and what we weren't doing. Um, we were doing a little bit right before we got out of it, but they're running suppressors now. 
which we never did for the majority part of when we were coyote hunting. And I, I think we could have killed a lot more because there's a lot of opportunities where we, you know, we had four come in, we leave a one because, you know, they're all scared, you know, they're all scared off. Whereas with a suppressor, they might run 50, 75 yards and stop and go, what the heck, you know? And then you have that second shot. That's exactly shot. what happened. Yep. I got a I'm good, qu- I got a good question. And you don't have to answer, neither one of you have to answer it to a T. You don't have to answer to a cent. What does it cost to get in a setup like that? Full setup. For, for thermal hunting? Thermal hunting, AR platform gun or whatever you want to call it, and a suppressor. And a suppressor? Yeah, roundabout. Um, I'm going to say eight. You can, I mean, if you're not if you're not willing to spend five grand, you're wasting your time. I'll is that ahead. on all three? Yeah, that's you, that's you, a gun and a, that's a gun and a scope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're looking at yeah. Okay, so you're you're those a good scopes roughly three. You're not if gonna you're, get if you're if you're anything less than three grand in a scope, you're wasting your time. If you ask me, that's my yep, opinion on it. Hundred percent. And I'm telling you, I've looked through enough of the ones that's below that. You're wasting your time. And a gun's about 15. You can get an AR platform cheaper than that, obviously. But do you want to be precise and you want to have something you can rely on? You're going to spend 1500 bucks. And a suppressor's about you two. On a bolt gun. You can put it on a yeah, bolt gun. you can gun. put it on a bolt gun. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of guys that run bolt guns at night. Um, I like quick follow-up shots, you know, for those running coyotes. So I don't prefer to run a bolt gun. But... Um, and then a suppressor, Alex can speak more to the suppressors, but, you know, four or 500 bucks. Oh, I thought they were more than that. Well, I thought they were a couple price. grand. Huh? I mean, you're, you're looking yeah. at, you're looking at, you know, seven, seven, 800 bucks probably for a good 30 caliber suppressor. Yeah. Cause you got to buy your tax stamp, which is 200 bucks. And then if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have, you almost have to wait, what, 11 months by the time you fill your stuff out to get your, well, suppressor. not anymore. They yeah they changed they changed it now it's all it's a lot of, a lot of digital stuff I was just talking to a guy yesterday about this who just ordered another one and they're saying that it's cut down a lot now so you have they to go to- you have to go to where you're purchasing it I'm just trying to do it for the listeners if they want to buy one you have to go to your gun shop figure out which one you want to buy fill the paperwork out they send it in you go ahead and pay well, for it and everything full, let me run through the full scenario yeah go ahead there because it's easy. You go to one of these locations that has a kiosk. You fill out all your paperwork on a kiosk, your fingerprints and everything. You do the registration before you ever even decide what you want. You don't have to buy that. As long as you register then, you go over to the gun counter and you determine which one you want. You want a 30 caliber. You want a multi-caliber. You want a, uh, a 40 caliber, whatever. You pick out what you want. And for anyone listening that wants a suppressor, Look at the the Silencer Co. Hybrid 46. It goes from 9mm to 458 SOCOM with the same end cap. You can run any gun between those, 30 caliber, 40 caliber, whatever. And that gives you a wide range. They're usually about 700 bucks plus your sack stamp. You can find them on sale for 600, 599, 500. I've seen them down to that. You buy that scope or that, that suppressor from them at that time. They send in all your paperwork. You have to go home and take a picture of yourself and upload it onto the app from that kiosk. And then they start the process of doing all that work for you. They send all your paperwork in. You can keep tabs on it on your phone, on that app. I followed mine like crazy. I'm like, when's, when's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? And then all of a sudden, one day I log in and it's it's coming. So, Pro, pro tip on that. 
if uh if your wife watches the bank account a lot of these pawn a lot of these places that sell them will let you you don't have to have it paid off until your tax stamp comes back. <laughs> so pay for the tax stamp, and pay, then you can put a down payment on it. Put a down, yeah. Put a down payment on your, and then you can just go by there every now and then, throw fifty bucks at it. <laughs> oh, anybody listening that is sponsored by? <laughs> we don't want our wives to find out. Dot com. And and when you get it, and, and I can tell you, um, when you get it, it will it will. It will change your gun, so you need to be mindful of that. Um, I haven't had that bad of trajectory change or point of impact change with my gun, but I've put it on others and shoot it, and it hit way off. I mean, that thing will change the trajectory of your gun. So don't screw it on and plan to go out there and shoot it. It ain't going to work like that. You need to track practice. It's like anything. I will tell you, I I had a suppressor on my gun for a couple, um, a, a month or so, um, I was with a guy that had a couple, and so if you're with somebody, you can use you know the suppressor as long as they have their tax stamp. And I did not like it, and that's the reason that I didn't buy one at the time. I will probably get one, um, especially if I get back into night hunting, just because Alex likes his eardrums. So yeah, but oh my, it's so nice. <laughs> but I got so used to hearing the crack of the rifle and my report and knowing how when you put that suppressor on, I was hearing the action of the gun and it was throwing my shots off my, my follow-up shots off bad. So it's a, it's a, it's a game changer in a lot of ways. And, and it's one of those things that you've got to learn your equipment and, and, and be mindful of all that. But it's, it's a different world and it does make a difference. Didn't you say Alex, it made your, didn't it, was it you telling me, um, you have to clean your gun more often? Oh yeah. Oh my God. My gun, I cleaned it. I, I shot, uh, I mean, and, and there's people that run, you know, they'll run dirty gun. I try to not do that just because I feel like my, my equipment is my lifeline. If I want to be successful, I need to take care of my equipment. So if I'll hunt two or three nights and I shoot three or four or five times, I'm going to open that bolt and look in there and see how dirty it is. You can shoot that gun, drop your magazine, and those bright, shiny brass shells that were in there before are covered in powder. Now, Certain guns are worse than others. ARs are notoriously, you know, pretty clean running guns, but you put that suppressor on there and all that gas and that extra powder that's got to force that bolt back, it's all coming back down that barrel and it's all going to be inside of it. And that goes back to selecting your gun. Go, and there's nothing wrong with, with, um, lesser, 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 lesser priced ARs mm-hmm. for home defense and stuff like that. But if you're planning on getting a hunting and you're planning on putting a suppressor on it and you buy a $400 AR and you go put a suppressor on it, see how many rounds you run through it before it jams. Yeah. I mean, it, and that probably goes with buying good, good quality bullets too, though. Yeah. You don't, uh, you're not shooting cheap ammo. I mean, you're going to shoot what you know. Um, you know, I'm a Hornady and man. We're speaking as hunters. We're yes. speaking as what we do. Yes. As, as hunters and what we've, what we've learned through our experiences, but, um, just those few hunts me running my gun i mean it was incredibly dirty and I bet. so but i had a conversation with like i said i've had several several conversations with guys as of late they've seen us post pictures they're wanting to you know if you're if you're got a little bit of extra money and you feel like you want to get into to coyote hunting my biggest piece of advice for you is first and foremost determine if you've got a lot of land because you're going to need a lot of places to run. You're going to need a lot of places to go. And if it's worth your time to do that, 
Okay. Then you need to move into the thought process. Do you want to have, or, or are you willing to stay out late at night? And do you have enough time to do that? I would talk to my wife and make sure that you can, because you will spend a lot of time out and going at night. That's the time to go. You're not going to daytime hunt with it. So I think it's the biggest thing for that is just make sure you're willing to commit to it. And if you buy something below that $3,000 mark, I can, I can tell you the scopes that I would buy in that range. But if you go and buy one of those, just understand as soon as you walk out the door with it, you're not going to be happy if you go with somebody that's got a $3,000, $4,000 scope. Those are just the, and I don't want to get brand specific because Bill will be able to speak more intelligently to that when we do a show with him. There's some great new products coming out from SHOT Show. And Jamie, his partner, was there. SHOT Show announced a great deal of products that are going to be in that price range a little bit less that will get people into it. But just be mindful. Meter bases on the side of barns in the middle of fields glow, and they look like in a cheap scope, a coyote. Really? I guess so, all that heat. So I heard a story. I yeah. heard a story yesterday about this. So Uh-oh. I ain't going to tell from who, but I heard a story. Guy got shooting at some hogs and then turned a meter base into a uh, fireball. Ooh. Yeah, that would be a. Alex, um, I think this was a good episode to run. You know, we, we didn't know where it was going to start when when we had talked yeah. about it and and i think it's been pretty helpful if everybody stayed along with us as far as they're riding down the road not doing nothing in their car and um dreading going to work but i think it's been good information i think it'll be very good like start off here i want to know more before i go into talking to yeah. this new guy we got or this other guy coming on um but i i guess as we're wrapping up here you want me to ask you one of these new questions i got sure fire away i'm gonna ask you one of them <laughs> This ain't really an Alex podcast. We're just sitting around everybody, this little campfire series. But uh, what would be a perfect day in the woods for Mr. Alex Deboard? Oh, man, it's got to be a cold November morning in the Midwest. That's my – That's to me, there's never been a better time that I've spent in the woods in my life. You know, and, and I could be cliche and say it's spent with time around me and everything else, and we all enjoy that. But for me, those cold November mornings in southern Illinois when it's – the rut is on. There's sticks breaking all around me. I got a uh, 147 and <laughs> four eights, eight quarter coming in at 18 yards, and I can send one of them doggone FMJs to him. There's, I love coyote hunting, but my passion's in that bow hunting the Midwest, and for me, that's that. I'll get you later, Watson. No, that's good. I'll get you on a early season. Yeah, Midwest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we can start getting Cody to Zoom call us from the basement, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he's going to have to do. Mm-hmm. On those uh, nights when he can't go as much. But, you know, I, like you said, Nick, I think it's been a great episode to educate some folks on what's been going on lately. You know, what we're doing, you're preparing for turkey season. We're running on uh, right at a month. Well, excuse me, less than a month, three and a half weeks from NWTF for you guys to go. So anybody that's not already planned that weekend out, need to get it on your calendars. It's going to be the uh, – Go ahead. I'm, I'm just looking up something. It is going to be a great time. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have uh, some new things. That's what me and Nick was just kicking around over here. We're going to ha- we're going to be dropping some new stuff at the NWTF. So pay attention to social media. Check that out. A lot of good stuff. Alex has got some new stuff coming down the pipe too. So a lot of a lot of stuff planned, and a lot of new information we're about to be putting out there that we're real excited about. So booth number eighteen forty one will be on the corner um, of the main 
drag strip, whatever you want to call it. Just look for two good looking guys standing in the in the aisle. And Alex ain't gonna be there. To the right, and then look to the right of them and see Nick and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then look over one booth. We'll be right there. I don't know. I'm looking forward to that, man. I, I'm I don't you know, I'm kinda glad you done that, Alex, to bring, see what I you know, how I opened it up and not saying I'm gonna open it up like that up there and I don't know what we're gonna do up there, but It'll be different up there without you for sure. I mean, we definitely need you. We need your mouth there, but um, it is what it is, and, and we're going to go up there, and we're going we're gonna to do some networking, man. We're going to bring some new people on board and see what we're all about, and hopefully we can grow this thing more than just a podcast down the road. It's coming, and, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a great start to 2022. It's been a lot of fun. There's been, you know, there's new things coming that people don't know about that are going to introduce – a whole new realm of what we are and what we're about. And I think the biggest thing for me is you, you, we, I've learned to be more open and, and not afraid to put myself out there by doing this podcast. You know, I dropped the, the episode about my dog last week and I was able to get on there and talk where I wouldn't wanted to do that before. I didn't, I would, I would have typed that out, you know, yeah. and I would have made of those posts you talked about, Nick, I would have made, that would have been a post. Yeah. I think I was able to change my narrative a little bit by wanting to come over and record that and share that. So I don't know. It's, it's changing me in ways that I wouldn't have expected it to. And I think that's a good thing about it. And we've changed people's thought process that probably wouldn't have been the way they are without listening to a show. I don't know. I maybe think so. we have, maybe we have. Well, it's exciting to see other people besides ourselves in this small, uh, their, their passion for what we're doing and, and, and wanting to be a part. So that's, that's really cool. I think this helps me because I couldn't have never wrote. I know I know I didn't knock the ballpark, knock that ball out of the ballpark for this opening, but I could have never sat down and wrote that though, and put it. I couldn't put pen to paper and then done it. Right. I just have to do it, yeah. and it's just like I don't like posting stuff on social media because I don't know how to put things into words. I'm better if I just say it, even though it may not sound right sometimes. Just do it, but. No, I, think, here. I was ready to kick the window out of this, this stone <laughs> chair through this hotel room window. <laughs> well, I had to get a little turkey hunting in there. I felt like I knew where the episode was going, so I got a little bit up front. But nah, I guess that um I guess that's good, man. We got some uh we got several people coming up lined up that's some pretty good names and hopefully we can get some more. Uh, we're we're creeping on we're creeping on up to Mr. One Hundred inching there ever so closely, so I can't wait to get there with you and you know, thanks for Thanks for opening that thing up. I'm I'm tickled to death with it. I am, I was I was elated. I was ready to hurry and kick the tires, light the fire, son. <laughs> well, oh man, I guess that's it, Alex. I'm gonna let you end it, buddy. All right, well, everybody, thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in for another special episode of uh, Talk About It Outdoors. We want to thank you and remind you to go over to all our social media platforms. We got some great things we're going to be announcing, as Cody said. Thanks, and uh, and I'm glad to have him back. You know, he's he went through a little bit of a health scare there, and you know, there's a lot of people out there right now that are battling stuff that that we want to be mindful of and remember them when when we're on bending knees in devotion to God, because there's there's a time in the world where we need it, and and God is definitely needs to be here anytime that we're anytime that we're facing, especially what we're facing now. So for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for tuning in again. Come back and be with us when you can. And remember, smile as you go, but don't forget about the members.